Good morning. It's good to see everyone out with us today. We've got a lot of people who are traveling. I saw the, the emails coming in over the past couple of days. I was wondering if anybody was going to be here. But we've got a great, great number with us, a lot of visitors with us. So thank you for coming. Thank you for being here with us as we assemble on the first day of the week to worship God. And it's been a wonderful worship thus far, singing to him and praying to him, remembering his death, the Lord's Supper. It's been a wonderful morning so far, and I want to thank every one of you for being here. I'm going to ask you to open up to the very short letter of Philemon. I'll give you a second to find it. It's easy to skip over in your New Testaments. And I always get a little bit confused when I'm putting slides together if Philemon is one of the passages that I'm going to go to. Do you put Philemon chapter 1? I don't, I don't know. There's only one chapter, but it looks weird if you don't put it on there. So on the screen behind me in a moment, you'll see Philemon chapter 1. But there is only one, one chapter, very short letter, but a, but a very powerful and important letter that Paul writes to his dear friend Philemon. And in the early, early remarks that Paul makes in the the letter to Philemon, it becomes very obvious very quickly just how special this man is to Paul. He's described there as a fellow laborer in the kingdom, a man that Paul loved and admired. This is a man who apparently has been very diligent in his work in God's kingdom, teaching the lost, spreading the gospel, every opportunity that he has, someone that Paul has come to know and to love. And in this very short letter, we're not going to read the entirety of it this morning, and really we're not even going to talk about what is the crux of the letter itself, but essentially Paul is writing to Philemon and he's making a request of Philemon that is apparently a difficult one for Paul to write and to ask of Philemon. He is writing on behalf of Onesimus, who Paul is sending back to Philemon and asking Philemon to take him in. But we see throughout the course of the letter that there's apparently somewhat of a rocky history between Philemon and Onesimus. Verse 11 says that Onesimus was once unprofitable to you. So whatever has happened in the past between Onesimus and Philemon, that has apparently, there has been some type of a rocky relationship between the two. But Paul now is sending Onesimus back and asking Philemon to take him in. And it's the relationship that Paul has with Philemon that makes this request possible and one that Paul feels comfortable making of Philemon. But it's not so much, as I said, the request that Paul makes in this letter that I want to spend time thinking about this morning. It's what's said about Philemon himself as Paul writes this letter to him. A man that really we don't know a whole lot about, He's not, he's not a man that we're given pages and pages of descriptions about throughout the New Testament. But as Paul writes, it becomes very obvious that this is a man worthy of admiration. That this is a man who is serious about his relationship with God. And a man who has cultivated characteristics within himself that Paul recognizes as important and admirable. And so what I'm going to ask us to do this morning is to do a little examination of ourselves, as really should always be the case when the gospel is preached or when the Bible is opened and read. It should always call us to examine ourselves, just as Mark made reference at the Lord's table this morning. As we partake of the Lord's Supper, we examine ourselves, 
And I'm going to ask you to do the same this morning as we talk about some of the characteristics of Philemon. And I'm going to ask you three questions to help in that examination. And there are three questions that I would encourage you, if you do things like this, to write on a post-it note and stick it on your bathroom mirror for the week or stick it on the dashboard of your car. Ask yourself these questions that we're going to talk about this morning as we seek not just to be more like Philemon, while that's, I understand the title of my lesson, but the reason I want us to think about being more like Philemon is because it becomes very evident that Philemon was trying to be more like Christ. And that ultimately is our goal. And because Philemon was a man who was serious about his relationship with God, serious about making himself more like Christ, because of that he is a man worthy of imitating And so these questions hopefully can help us as we seek to examine ourselves and draw closer to God in our behavior and in our actions. I want to pick up where we stopped the reading this morning in verse number 4. I want to read down through verse number 7. And again, I want you to think about how Paul is describing his dear friend Philemon in this letter. Beginning in verse number 4. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, which is, which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because of the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. So three questions that I want us to ask ourselves as we think about some of the characteristics that Paul calls out in regards to his dear friend Philemon this morning. In verse numbers 4 and 5, Paul references there the love and the faith that Philemon has toward the Lord Jesus and toward the saints. The love and the faith that Philemon has. It's something that Paul has noticed. It's something that he deems admirable and worthy of calling attention to in this letter that he writes. I want you to think about your faith. I want you to think about the love that you have for Christ and for the person sitting next to you this morning or the person sitting behind you or in front of you this morning. Is that love and faith worthy of others' admiration? Would the kingdom of God grow stronger and greater if everyone had your love and your faith? Or would the local body here be in big trouble? Is your love and your faith known and worthy of admiration? When you go to work, or you go to school, or you are out in your community or among your friend group, are you known by your love for Christ? Are you known by your faith? Do the decisions that you make and the priorities that you place on certain activities, do they reflect a love and a faith that is worthy of admiration? Because everything that we do, everything that we say, everywhere that we go is telling others about who we are. 
We are making known to them how we feel about Christ. We are making known to them how we feel about them and others. We're making known to them what's important to us. There was no question in the mind of Paul as he knew Philemon and he wrote this letter to him that when it came to his love for Christ and his love for the brethren and his faith, there was no question that those were characteristics about Philemon that were worthy of Paul's admiration and worthy of our admiration. So what do I need to do to be more like Philemon in that regard? What what do I need to do How can I evaluate myself to grow in these areas? Well, clearly, if I'm going to have love for my brothers and my sisters, that's going to require that I spend time with you. That's going to require that I'm willing to sacrifice for you. That's going to require that at times I put your interests ahead of mine. If I'm going to demonstrate the love that I have for Christ in the same way, that means that I am going to humble myself before him. We talked about this in our Bible class this morning in John chapter 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to be obedient to Christ. I'm going to demonstrate my love for him. And as I grow in those areas, that love that I have for my brethren and that love that I have for Christ isn't going to be a secret. It's not something that's going to be kept hidden. It's going to be something that everyone sees. And if it's not, if it's not, then that should be an indication to us that we have some things we need to work on. So if we want to be somebody like Philemon... That love and that faith has to be known. Everyone should know what's important to us. Everyone should know why we are the way that we are and what Christ has done for us. And as that faith and that love becomes known, it becomes worthy of admiration. We should be the kind of people who are setting examples for others as to how to love each other, how to love Christ, Set an example for faith that others can follow as we grow closer to God. Philemon was clearly one of those people that others could look to as an example of how they too can grow in their relationship with God and in their relationship with the brothers and sisters around. So question number two, do you share your faith effectively? There in verse number six, it's, at least in the New King James, a little bit of a complicated uh, verse in just the way that it reads. But he says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Philemon apparently was the kind of man who shared his faith with others. And he used that as an effective tool in the kingdom of God. Now think about that for just a second. It's one thing to have faith and for others to be able to see that faith that you have. But now I'm going to ask you, are you using that faith to share the good news of Christ? Are you using that faith to share with others every good thing that Christ has done in your life? 
Is that faith being an effective tool of evangelism? Certainly, at the end of the day, the only thing that can change people's lives and change people's hearts is the Word of God. That's it. But don't mistake the power of your own testimony in leading people to the Word of God. What has He done for you? What has He done in your life? How has He changed you? Share that faith, share that conviction, share that story. Use it as a tool to lead people to the word of God that can change their lives in the same way that it's changed yours. I think it's beautiful the way that Paul words this, because apparently that was something that Philemon was known for. Using his faith as an effective tool to lead others to Christ. When you sit down and think for just a moment about all of the good things that Christ has done in your life, think about who you might be without Christ. Think about where you might be. Many of us probably wouldn't be married to the spouse that we're married to without Christ. We certainly wouldn't be raising children in the Lord. We would have no hope without Christ. We wouldn't be sitting here this morning without him. Think about all the good that has come through your relationship with Christ and use that. Use that as a powerful tool, a magnet almost, to bring others to know him for themselves. So are you sharing your faith effectively? Are you imitating Philemon in that regard and sharing your testimony, sharing what Christ has done for you to help others come to know Christ. Third and last and probably the most well-known is there in verse number 7. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. I'm not sure that a greater compliment could be given to a Christian than that the hearts of the saints are being refreshed by you. It has been said many times that Christians should be the happiest people in the entire world. We have had our sins forgiven. We, we look forward to a home in heaven. We have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Joy should be pouring out of me. Enthusiasm should be pouring out of me. Optimism pouring out of me. So much so that when others are around me, they leave refreshed or recharged. And vice versa. When I spend time with my brothers and sisters, I should walk away excited and built up and encouraged and refreshed and recharged and all the words that we may use to convey a similar meaning here. Because, because we are the kind of people who understand what Christ has done for us. And, and the, only, the only reaction to that that I can have is joy and thankfulness and excitement. And that's all going to be demonstrated in different ways by our own unique personalities. But nonetheless, others should walk away from our presence refreshed, built up, recharged, 
the joy that we have should be infectious. I was thinking about just the idea of being refreshed and ways that, to illustrate, and I came up with just a couple here. The, the idea of recharging that I already made mention of was one of the first ones that came to my mind. And I'm sure, like, like me, you guys probably, most of you have phones. And no, there's just, at least for me, there's just this low-level anxiety that comes over me if I'm out and about somewhere and, and the battery on my phone goes red and it tells me I'm, I'm almost out of battery and I don't know if I, if I, I don't have a charger handy and I'm afraid my phone's going to die and what if I need something or to reach somebody or something like that. But then you, you finally get back to your car or get home where you can plug your phone in and it turns green and it starts recharging. There, there, there's a sense of relief that comes from that because now if you need it, it's there for you and you know it's ready. Well, the same is true for us. All of our batteries can get pretty low at times. We can become, we can become in need of a recharging. And each other should be one of the best ways of recharging that we have. We should be able to spend time around one another and leave refreshed, leave recharged. Leave feeling better now because I've spent time with someone else who shares my faith and my conviction, who shares the joy that we have looking forward to our home in heaven together. We leave recharged. Or if you've been working outside and it's been blazing hot as it has been at times this summer and you've been working outside all day long, you're just dripping with sweat and you're tired and you're thirsty and somebody hands you a cold bottle of water. There is nothing more refreshing than that first drink from that bottle of water after working outside all day long. It's refreshing. We, we need that. Our body is craving that because we're depleted. If I was living in the days of Philemon and I was feeling spiritually depleted, I would know that he's somebody that I could go to to get the refreshment that I needed. I want, I want to be that type of a person today for others. And I would challenge all of us to desire to be that kind of a person today for others. Be the kind of person that others want to seek out when they're tired. Want to seek out when they're depleted. Because the opposite can also be true. If we're not careful, we can be the kind of person who depletes others. We can wear each other out. We can exhaust one another. Seek to be the kind of person that is refreshing and recharging. You go on a vacation. You've been working hard for a long time with little time off, little free time, maybe not much time with your family. And you get an opportunity to go on vacation, and you get to relax. You get to just take a deep breath and enjoy the fresh air and the destination that you've chosen. And you come back from that refreshed and recharged and ready to get back at it. We should serve that same purpose for one another. We are all involved in spiritual warfare and that battle will take its toll on us at times. 
We need to have people and places where we can go to and be built up and be encouraged and be recharged and refreshed so that we can get back into the battle. Philemon served that purpose for people. And Paul recognized that about him and specifically called out the fact that he was the kind of person that others could go to to be recharged or refreshed. And what a beautiful picture that is. Obviously, none of us have ever met Philemon, but almost, I, can almost, I get a picture of him in my mind as I read through this description. I begin to think about what he might sound like and what he might say and some of the things that he might do, what a conversation with him might be like. You can't help but get a smile on your face when you think about somebody like that. Examine yourself this morning. Are you that kind of person? Are you the kind of, are you the kind of brother and sister in Christ that when someone else gets a phone call or a text from you, their immediate reaction is to smile? Now, it can still be bad news. It could be difficult conversations, but nonetheless, they know, they know that you love them. They know that you love Christ. They know of your faith. And they know you to be the kind of person that seeks to refresh and recharge and build up others. If that, if that doesn't describe you, and again, if, if, you, if you ask yourself these three questions this morning, honestly, vulnerably, if your answer to these three questions isn't what you want those answers to be, Maybe sit down, write some things down about how you can grow in these areas. Write the names of other people down who you think do fit these categories, like Philemon did. What are some ways that you could imitate them as they seek to imitate Christ? Be purposeful about your growth in these areas. Because in order for the Lord's church to thrive and to grow, we need people who are serious about loving one another, serious about their faith in God, serious about being this recharging place for others. And more importantly, or as importantly at least, this is the kind of person that God expects us to be. He expects us to be serious about our relationship with Him, serious about our relationship with others, and serious about bringing others to him. And all three of these characteristics that we've mentioned in regards to Philemon will help us grow in those areas. So those three questions. What can you do this week to grow in your love and faith, to make that worthy of admiration, to share your faith effectively with others, and to help refresh your brothers and sisters when they're around you? Well, if you're here this morning and maybe you're reading a list like this, maybe it's making you think about some other things in your life and you're beginning to see, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just not the kind of person that God wants me to be. I'm not the kind of person that's worthy of imitation or admiration when it comes to my faith. Well, the good news is that God has given us an opportunity to think about those things, and he's given us an opportunity to make our relationship with him right this morning. 
Because we serve a God who is known for his love. He is known for his faithfulness. And he is known for his long-suffering. And so he is calling each of us to have a relationship with him that he created us to have. And he waits patiently for each of us to respond. If you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and entered into the family of God, you have an opportunity to do that this morning. To take advantage of the blood that was shed on the cross and to you yourself be buried in the waters of baptism and to rise up a new creature, one who is pure, one who is forgiven, one who is spotless, one now who is ready to grow and to thrive in the kingdom of God. That opportunity and that invitation is extended to you this morning. So if there's anything that we can do to help you, please come to the front and let us know as we stand.